Hello, my loves, and welcome to the Sensitive Collective Podcast. I am your host and healing mentor, Laura Ann, and I created Sensitive Collective to be a space where empaths and sensitives can come and receive guidance, love, and support on their own healing and empowerment journey. Whether with just me or one of my guests, we show up in vulnerability to share our own stories and insights with the intention of creating a network of support for you, dear listener. Because feeling all the feels, healing from past trauma, old patterns, and learning how to navigate and fully step into your sensitivity superpowers can feel confusing and sometimes, honestly, super lonely. But you are not alone. There are more of us empaths and sensitives waking up to our nature every single day. And the work you're doing to heal yourself and claim your power is the work that will transform both you and the entire world. And it's why we're here. So join me on this sacred journey of self-discovery, self-love, and self-healing. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll do it all together. I'm so happy you're here. Enjoy. Hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to another episode of the Sensitive Collective Podcast. My name is Laura Ann. I am your host and healing mentor. And, you know, maybe you're here listening to this podcast because you're curious and you're trying to figure out if you are an empath or a highly sensitive person. Maybe you know you're really sensitive, but you are uncertain about or don't really like labels. Um, Perhaps you know that you are an empath and a highly sensitive person and are more intentionally looking for support and guidance around how to navigate these traits and experiences for yourself. Um, For me, I know that several peers and uh, even a teacher and a mentor told me that they had strong suspicion um, that I am an empath before I was really ready to be curious or even learn more about it at all. I was actually super dismissive about it as a possibility at first. I think I had some negative ideas about what it meant. And, you know, some of this is just the natural programming that we receive in society and culture and family, etc. that um, being sensitive is bad, right? That being sensitive is something to be fixed or something... a a trait that we need to lose or toughen up. And so often this is rooted in a real belief that it's going to be a hindrance to our ability to uh, survive in the world and to be successful and thrive in this world as a, a sensitive person. And so, you know, the programming really runs deep for us so that, um, there can be a real sense of guilt and even shame created around our sensitivity like it's something we should be apologizing for and for me on top of this truthfully um you know at that at that point in my life when I was first getting some of those pings from from people around me reflecting like oh yeah I think maybe you're an empath maybe you should look into that um I I honestly at that point in my life I had a lot more healing that I needed to do and and some things I needed to work through 
um, I was still really closed off to energy, to spirituality, and was pretty triggered by the world of woo. Um, so that, that was a real hindrance for me to even start to be curious about and learn about and accept that I'm an empath. So if someone had been able at that point to point me to a resource that, that summarized what an empath actually is and how being an empath informs our experience of ourselves and of the world, I think it would have made it a lot easier for me to, to understand, accept, and support my own empath nature, which is, of course, of vital importance in our ability to really thrive in our life and relationships, right? Understanding who we are, what our needs are, really accepting the essence of, of how we show up for ourselves and in the world and, um, and that way being able to really support and meet our own needs, right? That, that's just some basic stuff that's really important. So what is an empath? Um, Judith Orloff, who is a therapist and pioneer in the field of working with empaths and highly sensitive people, you know, she says that the trademark of empaths is that they feel and absorb other people's emotions and or physical symptoms because of their high sensitivities. So empaths and highly sensitive people filter the world through their intuition and have a difficult time intellectualizing their feelings. But why? <laughs> it's like that little three-year-old in me is like, why, why? Like, why are empaths the way that we are? So scientifically, there are a couple of theories. Um, one has to do with mirror neurons, and uh, mirror neurons are the type of brain cell that respond equally when we perform an action and when we witness someone else perform the same action. They're also theorized as being responsible for empathy and compassion. And studies suggest that empaths actually have hyperactive mirror neuron system, which just places, places us kind of higher on the empathy scale. So when someone you love is in pain, you may feel it as if it is actually happening to you. And when they're experiencing joy, you can feel that as well. I think you know, on a really basic level, an example of this could even be, whether it's in person or even just watching someone on TV, right? It's like when you see someone stub their toe and you have that like, ooh, <laughs> empathetic cringe that you do. And you're like, oh, I, I feel that. I feel that, right? That's Those are your mirror neurons. Um, High sensitivity is also really theorized at this point to have genetic roots and possibly, potentially, um, some specific gene variants have been associated with the trait of sensitivity. So uh, it's also theorized that early childhood environments could play a role. You know, evidence suggests that early experiences in childhood um, can have actually an epigenetic effect on the genes associated with sensitivity. So this is where we talk trauma. You may have heard me say on the show before, empaths are forged in the fire of trauma. So traumatic experiences in early childhood could potentially trigger genes. So this is epigenetics, right? When environment triggers a gene to express actively, basically an environmental factor 
that modifies gene expression. So determining whether or not that gene is kind of on or off. And so traumatic experiences in early childhood could potentially trigger genes that are associated with sensitivity. Trauma also plays a role in your sensitivity, specifically in the way that your nervous system is wired in early childhood. So as you grow up through childhood, your nervous system is receiving oh so much information all of the time and is consistently wiring and rewiring to adapt to your environment to optimize your survival and to optimize the meaning the meeting of your basic needs like human connection and belonging. So survival, it's not just about, you know, getting food and water. I mean, it is, um, but it's also about, you know, being accepted and, and we, as a human, basic human need, there's love and connection, right? Um, and so as a result, you know, many empaths and sensitives actually have a dysregulated nervous system and, and live pretty consistently in an activated state of you know, fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. So there's a certain amount of rewiring that needs to happen. There's a certain amount of learning how to regulate your nervous system so that you can diminish that hypersensitivity, that hyperreactivity, right? That can have... Have you feeling like, um, you know, it's really always running the show in this kind of reactive and haphazard manner that feels kind of disempowering so that you can instead, you know, once you work through that hypersensitivity that's rooted in a dysregulated nervous system and instead really start to intentionally access and utilize your sensitivity as a gift and the powerful ally that it can be. So this is part of the process that I call claiming sensitivity as your superpower. Now, honestly, there's a lot of debate around the how and the whys of empaths and highly sensitive people being the way that we are. Um, A lot, a lot of debate and it can get heated, honestly. and, And, you know, there's not a ton of research to really ground it in. So as interesting as I find these scientific theories and as insightful as I think some of them may be, especially, you know, epigenetics and the wiring of our nervous system, I really feel ultimately what it can be of overlooked and <laughs> is of greatest importance is just the experience of what it is to be an empath and a highly sensitive person and you know how best to navigate that in a way that will serve and support you to actually thrive in your life. So what are some of the experiences and traits of being an empath um, and or highly sensitive person? By the way, most empaths are highly sensitive people, though not all highly sensitive people are empaths sort of like squares and rectangles, right? Empaths are highly sensitive to the energy and emotions of others. And this can surface surface in a multitude of ways for an empath in day-to-day life. So one is 
um, you can feel between the lines of what other people are saying. Uh, this can be such a valuable asset, both personally and professionally. And like so many gifts, I think this is one of those things where it comes so naturally to us that um, often we don't even realize that it's special because it's just the way that we are. But it really is. Like I can't tell you how many times I've you know been with a girlfriend, boyfriend, in a, in a social setting, someone has come up to the pair of us and is, you know, talking with us and, and then they leave. And I, I've experienced like, who something really heavy or, you know, something really counter to what verbally they were expressing to us. And I'll turn to the person that I'm with and say, Oh my gosh, did you, wow, that was, and I get a blank stare. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like They were just talking to us about, you know, their weekend hike or whatever. <laughs> And it's in those moments that I have that, oh, kind of, this is a gift, right? And not everybody necessarily has access to this information. Um, but that sensitivity and ability to um, read in between and feel in between the lines of what other people are saying, it makes empaths and highly sensitive people or HSPs um, great listeners and natural holders of space. Um, so this is one of the reasons that people come to you for advice and for support. This is one of those things in interpersonal relationships, whether they're, um, you know, romantic or familial or professional, right? It just makes you such a great listener. You're really there. People feel heard and seen. And, um, that's one of the reasons why they seek your advice and your insight. It's why you're that friend that your friends come to to talk about that deep stuff. Um, it's because they trust you to be able to hold that space for them. There's also an element here that that sensitivity of uh, energy and emotions of others, we're actually natural and intuitive energetic alchemists. Now, what do I mean by this? That just by coming into our space or just by being exposed to our, our self, our frequency, the instrument that is our mind, body, spirit, you know, we are actually going through an energetic exchange with this person where we are alchemizing, we are transmuting, we are shifting the energy that they are bringing into this exchange into something else. This is also one of the reasons why it can feel so exhausting to interact with people especially when this is happening on a subconscious and intuitive level without, um, you know, really intentional work around it, it can just feel really draining and zapping of your energy. Um, especially if you're in relationship or in contact with, you know, um, energy vampires or, you know, people who are really seeking to feed on this energy and, and need and are kind of, um, searching out at alchemization, uh, on a consistent basis could also be super draining. Um, so, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons as well. So there's like the, the more cognitive reason of, you know, you're just, you're great at listening and you're so sensitive, but there's also that energetic layer. It's one of the reasons why, you know, even complete strangers are going to come up to you and share some of their 
deepest, darkest secrets and share stories. You're like, whoa, I just met you five minutes ago in the airport lobby. Um, <laughs> by the time we're through security, like I know the names of all your kids and you know the problem that your eldest in college is going through right now that is really plaguing you, right? It's like um, you listening, you may you may relate to that, but that's that's why. So this also means that of course we're going to be easily affected by the energy and moods of other people. So um, again, there's an element of you know really being intentional about who you're interacting with on a regular basis and setting boundaries. So the shadow aspect of this gift of being highly sensitive to the energy and emotions of others when when not meeting your own needs for centering, grounding, setting boundaries, creating time for yourself to reset and to rejuvenate, etc., it can lead to being really overwhelmed and it can lead to addictive behaviors, to numbing out and avoidance behaviors, emotional eating, chronic illness is a big one. This is really common for empaths, chronic fatigue, self-isolation and disconnection from self, from others, from source. Um, so that's a shadow aspect to look out for with this gift of being highly sensitive to the energy and emotions of others. And it's one um, that you can absolutely avoid by you know, creating and implementing uh, really supportive practices around what your specific needs are uh, around this, supporting this gift for you as well. Empaths are really affected by art and beauty. <laughs> we have such a big heart. We have so much love and so much appreciation. It's like the sensitivity goes beyond just people. It it extends to everything. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, so often, you know, empaths are really attracted to nature. And you know, we're anim we tend to be animal lovers or plant lovers. There's even, you know, empaths who have the sensitivity and the ability to really energetically speak to animals and to plants. Um, you know, I I lean more towards animals as an empath and as a kid, I talked to animals and I, I understood that that was just a thing that I did, that it was true. And, you know, through becoming a, a grown up and you know, through the, the reactions of the grown ups around me, it was very much like, oh, that's so cute. She's playing pretend. Um, there was never any kind of curiosity of the possibility that this was actually something that I was doing. And I kind of cut myself off from that. I've, I've, gotten some of that back as I've, um, as I've healed and claimed my sensitivity more, uh, as, as an empowering trait within myself. Um, and you know, I have two cats and two dogs. And so we, <laughs> we interact all the time. Um, but yeah, so your sensitivity to all of it, not just people's energy, plant, animals, nature, and empaths are sensitive to our environment, you know, not just physically, but also what we consume as entertainment. So environment, right? We're more um, easily impacted by and affected by clutter. Um, you know, the concept of feng shui, you know, energy being able to move through a space. If there's something is off with that, we really sense that. We feel it because we're so sensitive. 
Um, and also the, the environment that we're around, you know, it's what we are witnessing and experiencing, and that includes television and movies and uh, social media. So um, it's really supportive for empaths and highly sensitive people to be super intentional about what it is you're surrounding yourself with and what you're consuming in terms of you know entertainment. We tend to be drawn to understand the deeper meaning of things like spirituality and metaphysics and religion and philosophy. Empaths and HSPs are really, we're truth seekers, right? We want to know. We want to know. We're really drawn to water very often. Um, and, you know, folks who don't necessarily get this, like, um, I, I fantasize about baths. I fantasize about swimming in natural bodies of water. I mean, there's something that feels like home when I'm in water. And water is a really powerful tool for empaths also to help us clear and cleanse energetically, right? We're familiar, like, oh, take a bath, take a shower. We're physically cleaning ourselves. But energetically as well, um, water can be a really powerful ally. Empaths and sensitives need a lot of alone time to rest, to decompress, and to recharge and rejuvenate. And when we don't get this, the shadow aspect of you know having that sensitivity of um, being able to read between the lines of being an energy alchemizer, you know, one of the shadow aspects of that is we will self-isolate because we're overwhelmed and we're at capacity. So you know, if you notice that you're self-isolating. Um, I would invite you to look at it not as there's something wrong, um, but as information that there's something out of alignment and to invite a little bit more time into your schedule for yourself to rest, to decompress and to recharge and, um, you know, just really give yourself permission to be in that space till you start to feel revitalized and, like, you know, interacting with other people starts to feel more attractive to you. There's also some nervous system stuff going on there with self-isolation, but that's another subject for another day. Um, empaths also really feel called to service. We have this deep inner knowing that we're here to help give back and make the world a better place. I can remember having this feeling my whole life. I just always knew I was here for a purpose. I, I can remember having conversations about this as a young teenager. Um, and even the games that I played as a kid, like the pretend games that I played, some of them I now realize I was actually reenacting things from past lives. <laughs> it's a high priestess in a past life. That was, there was a favorite pretend game about that. Um, but a, lo a lot of it was, um, again, it was playing to and showing out what my empath nature is, which is that I care really deeply for people. And I want to help. I want to make the world a better place. And this makes empaths really amazing healers, teachers, animal rescuers, veterinarians, full-time parents, caretakers, arborists, EMTs, coaches, therapists, nurses. I mean, the list goes on and on. And you know, because we have that deep call for service. The shadow aspect of that call to service, or before I move into that, I should say we have a deep call to service and our sensitivity makes us even better 
in these positions that we feel called to serve in. That's one of the ways that they can be powerful ally. They can make us such a better teacher who can listen with compassion, right? Like there's, there's so many ways in which our gifts as empaths really make us better at what we feel called to do. And it's one of the reasons we're called to do it. The shadow aspect of the call to service is when we're out of balance with also taking care of ourselves. This is when the martyr complex kind of comes up when you become the martyr and you put everyone else's needs above your own, which is also a trauma response. This is where chronic people pleasing becomes a problem, which is also a trauma response (laughs) where you don't have the ability to set boundaries and to say, no, this is also a trauma response right? So tying back up to what we were talking about earlier in the episode, you know, empaths being forged in the fire of trauma, some of the things um, that we do when out of balance, it, it is, uh, it's more around minimizing conflict and ensuring that we're accepted, you know, and all of these things. And so it's not as truly aligned. Um, and it's in that shadow realm, as opposed to really being aligned with service and showing up for the highest good, which includes showing up for yourself, showing up in service for the highest good of all includes loving yourself. So that's a good thing to kind of invite inquiry around for yourself, you know, am I showing up for myself? And if not, you know, then exploring how that is looking for you in your life and where are you sacrificing yourself for others and playing around with ways that you can, you can start to show up for yourself and you can start small with that too. Um, and the more you do that, the more balance you're going to start to find. Um, boundaries are generally a great place to start and you can start small with those too. We often have really powerful intuitive abilities and a natural um, talent proclivity towards inclination for channeling and a number of other spiritual gifts. So like clairvoyancy, claircognizance, right? All All of the clairs. I will say this predisposition for being spiritually gifted is the biggest difference between empaths and highly sensitive people. Sometimes it's even just the awareness or the desire, right? That can, that can switch. I think empaths and highly sensitive people, we have so much in common. And so this is where some of it comes down to language and labels and how you want to identify. Um, And, you know, for me, for example, there was a season in my life where if highly sensitive people had been a thing when people were talking about empaths, I think that might have actually felt safer for me to look at because of my own wounds and trauma and stuff around spirituality and woo. Um, and then at some point, I think, you know, spirituality would have started to, to retain, to, um, regain some of its, uh, splendor and shimmer and attraction for me. And that's kind of what happened naturally and organically, right? Um, 
And so what I'm saying is the label isn't as important sort of like, you know, well, what's the scientific theory of why empaths and HSPs are the way that they are? Like it's interesting. Yes. But ultimately what really matters is how you feel within yourself and what you're experiencing and just meeting yourself where you're at to be curious about what it is you need and how you can show up to meet those needs. So enlisting these traits and enlisting these experiences, that's, that's the goal for me here is just to shine a light on some of these things that you know, maybe you have some self-awareness around, or maybe you think, because, you know, we all just live inside ourselves. And so there's so many experiences that I've had that I've thought that's just the way it is for everybody until I start talking to people. I'm like, oh, wow. No, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> it's like, definitely not what they've been experiencing. So to normalize some of the empath experience for you and to highlight ways that you might be showing up within your sensitivity in the shadow aspects of it, where it's out of balance and inviting you just to not to judge yourself for that, but just to be curious about ways that you might shift intentionally how you're showing up with your gifts of sensitivity um, that are going to be more supportive to meeting your own specific needs to start to really shift that dynamic so that sensitivity isn't feeling like a curse because it, it can, and I've been there. Um, honestly, for a long time, the material that was out there and available to support sensitives was really centered around coping mechanisms and survival strategies. And like, I'm here to tell you that I am so over that. <laughs> I am so over it. Um, it's, it's why I created the empath's guide to thrive, which you can find on my website. It, um, you know, and that's some of those supportive practices around, you know, centering and grounding, um, self-reflective practices, you know, setting boundaries, right? Like all of these different things that are really essential for us to be able to thrive in our lives. Cause I don't buy into or accept the narrative that, our sensitivity means that we're lacking in some way or, or difficult or extra or, or that even that we're just destined merely to survive in this world because we're sensitive. When you flip from the narrative of my sensitivity is a burden to be managed to my sensitivity is a powerful ally, that's when magical things start to happen. But how do you make that flip? It starts with the choice that I want an empowered experience of my sensitivity. There's something that we do as humans called confirmation bias, where we subconsciously seek out things in our world and our experience that confirm what we already believe to be true. So the first step is literally claiming your sensitivity as a superpower. So write it down, stick it up next to your mirror, create, create an affirmation around it, you know, catch yourself when you go to apologize for your big feelings. So there's so many different ways for you to start to really claim your sensitivity as a superpower, to really claim that as a core belief for yourself. And honestly, it does take intentional work right? Like 
A lifetime of programming has gotten you where you are now, and it's going to just take some time and some practice to release old stories and narratives around your sensitivity and yourself and your self-worth and your identity that no longer serve you and create new ones that do. It takes practice and consistency and radical responsibility and radical self-love, radical self-forgiveness, radical self-acceptance. Healing is a journey. It's cliche for a reason. It's because it's so damn true. And sometimes it feels like as you're on this path and as you're journeying through life, you can't see the forest through the trees. Or maybe you push yourself too hard in a direction that isn't really aligned with where you want to go and you have to backtrack. Or you can't even motivate to break up camp and get started up the next hill. Or see and celebrate the progress that you've already made so far. And this is where it can be so powerful to have a guide and a mentor who can help you, who can help to guide you on this journey. Someone who's made the trek before, someone who knows the best watering holes and rest stops and shortcuts along the way. Um, So if you're listening to this and you're feeling stuck and tired of having your sensitivity feel like this massive weight around your neck and you're ready to claim your own sensitivity as a superpower, then I invite you to book a free discovery call, which of course I'll link in the show notes to explore working with me as your healing mentor and guide on your own healing and empowerment journey, because this is my purpose work. I am so grateful to be able to show up here in this sensitive collective, embracing my own sensitivity superpowers and using them as the gifts that they are in service and support of you. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for listening. And thank you for doing the inner work with yourself because this is how we change the world from the inside out. And in closing, I'd like to remind you as always that you're doing the best you can where you're at with what you've got. And I love you.